Action Church doing well? Awesome, week two of Assembly Required. So proud of so many of you for being here on time. Welcome to our worship service. Not just our Bible study in Jesus' name. Hey, week two, uh, week two of assembly required. And we talked about these three stages last week, and I wanna highlight them. Last week, we talked about uh, our thinking. And we talked about once we give our life to Jesus, this is really a follow-up from our follow series. See what I did there? Follow up to our follow series where we found some foundational truths of following Jesus, what it looks like to be a disciple. We decided last week that there's some, still some assembly required if we're gonna be all that God is, is calling us to be. And this is where we are when we give our life to Jesus. We, we have everything we need, but we're kind of in, in pieces. We bring our, our brokenness, our, our, our conviction, our repentance to him, and he begins to assemble us. But too many of us get stuck in this, in this second phase that there's, 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 some, there's some things off. And, and we decided last week, a lot of times, it's, it's our thinking that is off, that we are gonna change our life because we're gonna change the way we think, that we're not gonna listen to the world and we're not gonna listen to our problem, we're gonna listen to the Lord. And that he gives us new mercies each day for the things that we're going to encounter. And we're gonna slowly, in a process, move from this middle one to this third one properly Assembled, So we're not gonna be in pieces. We're not gonna be poorly put together. Come on, guys, how many of you would be fine with this? If you got through your Ikea furniture and this was the final result, I'm good to go. Like, it's not gonna go in the living room or the master bedroom, but that looks great in the garage or a kid's room. How many of you, come on, your kid's room, you know, clean it or don't clean it, just shut the door. We got people coming over. I don't even go in there. Like, I haven't been in there in years. And so too many of us have settled for, for this stage. I need you to hear that you are, you are saved, your eternity is secure if you've accepted Jesus, but you were never created to settle right here. And last week, we, we had a plan for our thinking. Today, I wanna give us some tools for our, our pain and our emotions. If we're gonna get from, from in pieces to properly put together, we're gonna have to process things in our mind differently, we talked about that last week, and we're gonna have to process things in our heart differently. We need some tools to handle the emotions that we have in life. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one through eight. I just wanna make it clear today that, that emotions are okay. There are seasons for everything. You're gonna go through a wide range or a roller coaster of emotions throughout the course of your life. Here's what it says in verse one of chapter three, Ecclesiastes, is for everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh. The emotions, there's pain, there's joy and there's sorrow. A time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to, to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There's a wide range of emotions here. And I was thinking about it this week, emotions and pain are a part of life and too many of us get stuck in this second stage because we get stuck not processing our emotions and our pain well. And I believe the church, in some cases, has been a culprit to keep people stuck because we don't allow emotions and pain to be processed. We over-spiritualize it. But Jesus understood, and I love that we have a Savior that can empathize with our pain. 
In fact, in this last season of my, my own personal pain, it's really one of the things that have gotten me through because when people don't understand, I know that I have a savior that does. And it's not speculation, it's not a feeling, it's promised in Hebrews chapter two that we have a, a savior that empathizes. And I wanna walk through Jesus' last few days because I wanna show you the wide range of emotions that he felt. I wanna let you know it's okay to feel and then I wanna give us some tools to process those feelings. That's why, Hebrews chapter two, that's why he had to enter every detail. Everybody say every. Every, every detail. So he, he came in, the, the second part of the Trinity, Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, entered every detail of human life. All the ups, all the downs, all the in-betweens, all the pain, all the emotions. Then, when he came before God as high priest to get rid of all the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. Have you noticed how much more compassion you have towards somebody when you've walked through the same thing? Our Savior doesn't speculate. He's experienced every single detail, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help wherever help was needed. And I'm telling you, you we're gonna get to this end today. I don't wanna jump too far, but we need, to, we need some help to get from here to here. And it says he's experienced everything that you and I could ever experience. Why? So that he could jump in and he could help wherever help was needed. He experienced these emotions. I mean, think about it. He's at the, the Last Supper and he, he's, he's praying and he's, he's preaching and he's teaching. And he says, one of you will do what? One of you will betray me. And Judas gets up. When he finds him in the garden with the soldiers, he does what? He kisses him on the cheek. And that, that emotion of betrayal could be one of the worst in the world when somebody kisses you on the cheek just so they can stab you in the back. And people do that. They say one thing and they do another. You ever had somebody that was committed to you with their words but against you with their actions? I'm with you, I'm for you here, but I'm against you over here. Jesus felt betrayal. Jesus spent three years investing in Judas. Can you think about that? Three years serving alongside him, sweating, bleeding, going through storms, all for him to betray him. In rooms this size at Winter Park in Sanford and Oviedo in South Orlando, I know there are people that have been close to you that have betrayed you and have forsaken you and have had said one thing and made one commitment and done another. And I want you to know that not everybody understands what you're going through, but Jesus does. He experienced it so he could help you through it. Second thing, think about it. He gets betrayed by Judas. That's not bad enough. He goes before the courts and he faces false accusation. Have you ever had somebody say something about you that wasn't true? Now, I've had people say some things about me that was true and it still hurts because we all have weaknesses, but have you ever had somebody say something about you that you know is not true? Like you could be like, your, your shirt has holes in it, it looks like that you, you went to the Goodwill and I, no, I bought it this way, like. <laughs> little cheese grater, I did it myself. 
This is D-Y-I. D-I-Y. I don't even know how to do it yourself. I'm from Alabama. You didn't come here because I was smart. People saying something about you that's not true. Did you know they, they hired people to lie? Like the, the Pharisees, Sadducees, Sanhedrin, they, they are hiring people to tell lies about Jesus. So Jesus, the Son of God, perfect in all of his ways, is standing in court and people are saying things that he didn't do. We know he didn't do it because he was without sin. And yet they're convicting him of a crime. He takes it. God is my defender. This is where I'm supposed to be. He was falsely accused. I need to, to bring things to light today. The accuser is what the enemy is called throughout the Bible. The accuser manipulates our feelings. Think about the world right now. The world will not let facts get in the way of a good feeling. We don't care about the truth. We care about our truth. And if what you're saying resonates with how I'm feeling, I'm all in. The accuser operates in feelings. The Holy Spirit operates in facts. Holy Spirit, when he confronts us and when he convicts us, it's clear and it's intentional and it has next steps. How do you know the difference between conviction and shame? Do you have a way out? The Holy Spirit never points something out in your life to not point you a way out of it. The enemy says point stuff out and lets you sit in it. Because the accuser asks questions with no answers. And if somebody in your life is asking you a lot of questions with no answers, they're being used by the enemy. The Holy Spirit is clear, the enemy is always vague. Well, hey, what about, and did you hear, and I don't know. Well, if you don't know, stop talking about it. Because the enemy accuses, but the Holy Spirit brings freedom and, and clarity. He was betrayed, he was falsely accused, then he was rejected. One out of 12 showed up. I feel that like in my bones, like the people that you've invested your whole life in, one out of 12 had his back when he was dying on the cross. His best friend, one of his two, James and Peter, Peter didn't even show up, but he denied him three times. Like, so Jesus, like we were like, Jesus doesn't know how I feel. No, he does. Betrayed and falsely accused and denied. Church, let's not get all, all bent out of shape just on those close to him. Where were the 5,000 people that he fed? Like, where was the woman with the issue of blood and where was the soldier? They put the ear back on all these people that were healed. The man that was left down lame through the roof and his friends, like, where were everybody? Man, he's felt rejection. Some of us get stuck in this second one because of some abuse. Jesus was abused. Beard plucked out, bloody, beaten. He was beaten beyond recognition. And as he went from prison with Herod to Pilate, back to the Hebrews, he, he would have been beaten all over the place. Like not just, he would have been beaten by the cat of nine tails 39 times, that's in the Bible, but he would have been beaten every step of the way. Mocked. The abuse of his crucifixion, capital punishment, probably the, the worst way to die would be on a cross. 
Too many of us get stuck here because of abuse. What's it for you? Sexual abuse as a child or as an adult, physical abuse, verbal abuse. You know, something that I've been learning a lot about recently is emotional abuse, just people that project things on you that they're actually doing and then you carry that weight. It's, a, it's an abuse that in your mind and in your heart and the abuse that keeps us from poorly put together to properly put together. Here's the last one, maybe you felt this one. I don't know if you ever thought about this. Jesus would have felt humiliation. Humiliation. Passion of the Christ is a great depiction of, of the cross, but it would not be appropriate for it to be shown, but Jesus would have been completely naked in front of thousands of people. Beaten, embarrassed, maybe even shameful, not in the sin way, but just taking on everything that you and I feel. He entered every detail. And yet we keep him out of some of the details of our life. Emotions and pain are a part of our life. What if we invited Jesus to be a part of our emotions and our pain? Come on, we read it last week, Matthew 11. I wanna, I wanna read it again. Matthew 11, verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me. Like, don't leave me out. He didn't enter every detail so you could invite him out of the toughest situations of your life. Like he went through this so that he could empathize with you and with me. Just come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, pain and emotions, and I will give you rest. You know, God is the Trinity, a triune being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You and I are the same. We have a flesh, we have a soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and we have a spirit. You know, too many of us get stuck working on the physical and the spiritual. Spiritual being the most important. It's why we followed up Easter with the follow series. And, and your spiritual life is the foundation. Your prayer life and your worship is. Please don't, don't mistake that. If you don't get that, this series doesn't matter. But too many of us stop it, either, either spiritual or physical, and we don't work on the emotional. We don't work on the heart issues, the soul issues, how we feel. You know, layout one, we've got the out of the box. We talked about that last week, the, the plan. But I wanna, I wanna spend the next few moments giving us some tools to get from, from two to three, from poorly put together to properly put together. Because see, in the second one, something's just a little bit off. Like it's, it's okay, but it's just a little bit off. And it's probably due to one of the things we just discussed. Rejection, abuse, betrayal, false accusation. Something got us stuck. And if you study mental health, there is some trauma in your life. If you're stuck here, there is something that got you stuck here. But Jesus did not die on a cross for you to stay stuck right here. Like that's not, that's not where your story has to end. And the enemy has convinced us with his lies and with his attacks that we just stay here in our pain and in our emotions because we settle for quick fixes. Come on, we, we touch this up with a little bit of paint. Come on, it's a little shaky. We put a, we put a napkin or a little piece of paper, a little, little something under the table. Come on. We've all done, been there before. But you don't do that at your house, hopefully. Like you're in a restaurant, you'll fold it. Ah, got it. But too many of us, we have our own homes and our own situations, and we fold up a napkin and put it under the leg that's shaky. And we're like, it's good. It's not good. It's a quick fix. And last week we talked about some coping and even some active coping that is helpful, but you can't live coping. Yeah. 
You're stuck here if you're coping. You will never be here with a napkin or a folded piece of paper or a coping mechanism keeping you alive or sane. I don't know about you, if, if I put together anything, which I haven't in a while, I decided I was either gonna keep putting things together in my home or be a Christian. And so <laughs> I, chose, uh, I chose eternity. Um, but I, I would always have some leftover pieces. Like, where does this go? It, they must have put an extra one in there. Those silly guys, they always give me extra pieces. Like, I know I'm the only one that ever gets extra or not enough, you know what I mean? Like, wait a second, I'm missing something. And, and I, wanna, I wanna speak to somebody today that, that, that God gave you everything you need to accomplish all that he's calling you to accomplish. And you may think that that piece doesn't fit. You may think that that piece was out of place or, or extra or not intentional. And I'm not saying God caused that pain or that situation, but I'm saying that if you'll allow him to, it will fit in its proper place to make you functional. People often stay in this one because they don't, they don't heal. They don't allow God in, they don't allow people in. And I was actually talking to uh, a mentor of mine, a friend of mine, and we were talking about some of the things going on in, in my life and, and just, just dealing and processing pain, why we wouldn't heal. And I think the church when it comes to people's pain, we began to worship this idol of principle. Like we lead with facts and principle instead of empathy and conversation. You know what I don't need to hear the moment after somebody I love dies? You know, Pastor, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. Yeah, I know that, thank you. Bible also says, grieve with those who grieve. Could you quit preaching at me and just be with me for a second? Now, I'm not saying godly principles don't produce godly results. I'm saying sometimes we love principles in the middle of our pain because we can predict the results. So we're not worshiping the God of that principle, we're worshiping the principle because we know if we worship the principle, we'll get the result the principle produces. So we've taken the Holy Spirit out of the situation and began to control our own situation by worshiping, this is what you should do. And we keep people, and we keep people in prison. Because now I'm stuck to what you just said as opposed to, no, are you just gonna walk it out with me? Because I'm gonna have some days where I believe that and where I don't believe that. And I'd like to know that you're gonna be with me every step of the way and the church is gonna be with me and my friends are gonna be with me. I know God's gonna be with me but you've also made, made God so unrelatable in this season that just we're stuck. Another thing that keeps us stuck is a, is a negative stigma on counseling and mental health. And I, I love my counselor, I go to one by the way. But they, they sneak me in and out because we, we use the same one in some of our church. They're like, hey, we're gonna sneak you out the back because you have some church people out front. I'm like, I would love to them to know that I'm here. They're like, no, 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 you, we're gonna, we, don't, we don't want it to be awkward. It's not awkward. I'm here getting better. I never apologize for going to the doctor. You know? And so we're like, ah, I, just, I can't tell anybody I got this counseling book or I'm going to this counselor, I'm getting some help. Wait a second, you're actually investing in your mental health and your future. You're actually trying to get better from point two to, to point three. We get this negative stigma on counseling and care. 
or keeping people in bondage. So here's some simple steps. Let me just give you, we could go into this for, for weeks. I'm gonna give you some simple steps for complex situations. Some simple steps for complex situations. Here's the first one, acknowledge the problem. It's not a problem. God's got this, I know he's got this, but you're still dealing with it. We have to take it to God first. I'm not trying to say the spirit, again, please hear me, spirituality and our prayer life and the word of God is the foundation. But too many of us just say, I'm gonna give it to God, but you're still wrestling with it. So acknowledge that it is a problem. God can do anything, God can heal, God can restore, God can save, but we need to acknowledge this is a real problem. Here's one that I've struggled with based off of my childhood and some things that have happened in my life, and this is the one that, I, that I'm really praying through and wrestling through. Accept it and feel it. Because you can't get through it if you don't accept it and feel it. And then here's the third one, act appropriately. Act appropriately. What do I mean by that? If forgiveness is needed, forgive. I'm gonna acknowledge it, I'm gonna accept it, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna act on it. I'm gonna ask God, Holy Spirit, give me the guidance. Do I need to forgive somebody? Forgive. Do I need to ask for forgiveness? Ask for forgiveness. Do I need to repent to God? Do I need to repent to somebody else? Do it. Do I need to rearrange some things in my life, some priorities, some people used to be close, now you're here. Do I need to remove some things in my life? Some distractions, some people. There's a time for everything. Maybe there are some problems, there are some people, there are some situations, there are some substances, there is something keeping you and you need to acknowledge it and accept it and then act appropriately. We gotta allow God to put us together. Here's the difference. This is us putting ourselves together. Every one of us. If you put yourself together, this is what you end up with. The only way we get here is allowing God to put us together. Now there's some assembly required. So we got a part to play. It's almost like he's the master craftsman and we're the apprentice. And last week we talked about a plan for our thinking, but, but today we need tools for our emotions. Are you like me? Have you ever noticed Ikea gives you a whole house in a box this size and then gives you this little tool? Can we get a camera angle? What am I gonna do with this? I mean, seriously. I think, I don't think Ikea cares about furniture or construction. I think it's a social experiment. <laughs> They're watching us. And they're giving us a whole, people remodel their whole kitchens with Ikea with this thing right here. <laughs> Six years later, only cost me $6,000 in 61 years, but I got a cheap kitchen. It's called opportunity cost, you don't get it. Here's the difference that you and I have. Everything we're talking about today that the world can do. The principles when it comes to changing our thinking and the principles when it comes to, to changing our, our emotions and our feelings and our mental health, those are godly principles, but the world has used those separate from God, and here's the thing, they produce very similar results. 
There's just a different way to go about it. Like the difference is, if we do it without God, we, we spend hours and years and just don't quite get there because we're using the provided tools. We're using provided tools when the Bible says we have access to a power tool. Like I just, I, I'm not a genius, but if I were to give you an option today to put together this, this bookshelf or whatever this is, which one would you pick? Okay, this is not a trick question. You're an idiot if you pick this one. Like, just stupid. I have not held a power tool in my hand since I was like 17. All the guys are judging me. I hope, I hope that I'm holding it right. First Thessalonians chapter one. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but thank God it came to us with words. Like, thank God for the provided tools. Like, thank God for the principles. And thank God for the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding. Thank you, God, for making it palatable and applicable. Like, thank you that this gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that I am being assembled in, in his image, like, thank you that it came with words that I can understand. But also with power. With the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. And I'm here to tell you today that we all have this option if we choose to believe in Jesus Christ. But I wanna to submit to you today that it's not either or. Like, wait a second, I was really following you. Now this got confusing. I think we need both. There are some, come on, follow me. This isn't, this isn't real wood. This isn't super sturdy. And I know you think a lot of yourself, but there's some places in your life that's not real sturdy. There's some corners and some crevices that if you came in with, with a little too much steam, it's more of a slow turn. There's some spots in here that I don't need a power tool. I, I need a provided tool. And it's not apart from God. It's still with God because God's still in it. But that's why we're talking about this assembly required. There's some, some things that you and I. Now he's going to do the heavy lifting. He's going to do the majority of the work. But there's some slow turns and some tweaks and some things he's going to leave. There's some assembly required in our life. follow Jesus, it's our, it's our foundation. We assemble the, the pieces and it's, it's functional. This is a functional bookcase. But here's where I want to take it today because my only problem when we get too far into mental health is we make it too much about ourselves. We begin to see the world through the lens of me. And I want us to get here, but I don't want us to get stuck here. Because why would we put together a bookshelf with no books on it? If Jesus is foundational and assembly is functional, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to, to decorate our lives so that we can be fulfilled. 
for you and I, Ephesians 2, are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what I think the Holy Spirit wants to do as we close out this series is not just give us the power to do the heavy lifting, not allow us to, to play a part in it, but He begins to want to put some things on our bookshelf. Like there's some things that are gonna add life. And the fulfillment is not in us receiving them. That's, that's, where we, that's where we get Jesus. The fulfillment is in using those gifts for others. Like we're gonna show the life that God brought. People will never, will never see it unless you allow God to decorate it. And what we do, figuratively speaking, is we keep both of these. And we show them this is who I was. God fixed me. And then once he fixed that part in my life, once he fixed the dead places, once he fixed the broken places, he began to grow some things and bring some life even out of the most dead situation. Come on. Let's put some pictures up here. Got Bentley and Kingston, I hope this fits. Yes. Should have worked on that before. Come on, we need some memories. Because even when we're here, it's not all roses and rainbows. We're gonna need some, some pictures. God's gonna need to give us some reminders of how faithful he was in the past. Hey, remember when I gave you this word, this promise, this idea? Remember when I saw you through this season? And here's the last one. Talked about this last week. I think he's gonna to want to put some new stories in our life. Too many of us have been rereading the same story. Look at this, watch this. Look at how many books I can put on this. It's functional, it's ready. I can't stack books on brokenness. I can only lay one on there. The reason you're stuck in your pain is because you don't allow God to fix it fulfill it, set it stable so he can begin to write new chapters and new journeys. You're settled for back here. You wonder why you're stuck because God cannot line up new stories in a season that you have not given him access to. Come to me. Regardless of whatever season you're in. Regardless of whatever stage you're in. Pastor, I've been rejected. So is he. Pastor, I've been abused, so is he. Pastor, I've been falsely accused, so is he. Pastor, I've been humiliated, rejected, so is he. Just whatever you felt, bring it to me. And I'll give you rest. I don't think I'm stretching this too much. I'll give you rest. So after we've rested, we can go to work and build some things. Let's do that today. Let's bring our life and our situations to him. Would you bow your heads at all of our locations, every head bowed, every eye closed? God, we love you. God, we praise you. We thank you for your word today that is living and active. Church, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in here today and you're stuck 
stuck because you've never accepted Jesus. If you're stuck because your life is in pieces, maybe just poorly put together, you say, I need some power today. I believe several of you will give your life to Jesus today for the first time. But I've been believing all week for a renewal, for a rededication or a recommitment because there's too many of us that have just left the power out of the assembly. That power comes from the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes through our relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So that's you today. You say, Pastor Justin, I, I wanna start a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe I wanna get unstuck in some things. I wanna put some pictures on the, on the shelf. I want some, some life on the shelf. I want a new story to be written. It starts by giving Jesus control of every situation in your life. If that's you today, Say, Pastor, count me and I, I want to accept Jesus. By recommitting my life, I want to, to invite him back in again. Complete control. So come on, for the first time, for the first time in a really long time, you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you raise your hand right where you are? When I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You want eight, nine, 10, 11. Come on, stadium seat here. Middle, gotcha, yep. Right side, three, four, five, six more, yep. Sanford, raise them high. Come on, South Orlando and Oviedo. When you're worshiping in your home right now, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Come on, you're inviting Jesus into that situation right now, making him Lord of your life. Thank you, proud of you. Put your hands down all across all auditoriums and your homes. Would you pray this in your hearts? I prayed out loud, said this, say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you. I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I am confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. God, I give you complete control today. Have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, God, I pray for all of us, every single one of us. I pray that we would give you access to our story. God, make your plan clear when it comes to our thinking. God, expose the, the enemy and the negative thoughts, the problems of their pollution of this world and allow us to be renewed by the transforming of our mind. And I pray today, Holy Spirit, you let us know that it's okay to feel. And it's okay to be honest that we're not okay. But that we're gonna invite you into that situation. We're gonna do what we need to do with the provided tools, but we're gonna believe you, God, for some power, some confidence, some strength. It comes only from your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you into every situation, every relationship, every thought, every pain, every emotion. We say, heal it, restore it. And by the power of the living God, use it for your glory. We love you, praise you in this place. Everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate the decisions? Come on, really celebrate them.